All right, fill in the blank for me. I've got some good news and some bad news. Bad news. Without the bad news, it could be the good news. When it comes to the gospel of Jesus Christ, this is the truth. There is bad news contained within the good news of the gospel. It's not just the good. And the good is not just good. The good news is phenomenal. In fact, it's the most phenomenal report that's ever been declared. The good news is that Jesus has power over sin. Jesus has power over death. Jesus has power over shame. Jesus has power over sickness. Jesus has power over depression. Jesus has power over addiction. And if we believe in Jesus, we will be given this power too. That's the good news. Romans 1.16 says this, For I am not ashamed of the gospel. I am not ashamed of the good news of Jesus Christ. For it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, offered first to the Jews, then to the Gentiles. Or to the Greek. But I'm getting ahead of myself right now. Let's go back to bad news. Without bad news, there's no good news. Far too often we jump straight to grace. Far too often we jump straight to power, straight to mercy, without dealing with the big, ugly elephant in the room, which is sin. Church, we cannot minimize the results of sin. The effects of sin. The death of sin when we agree with and walk in agreement with sin. Sin kills. Sin binds us. And in in chains us, and it restricts us, and it strips us of freedom. Sin weakens us, sin cripples us, and ultimately kills us. Sin destroys. And as much as we may want to, we can't just leap over sin to get to grace. Without the truth of God's holiness. And the brutality of our sin, Christ's grace does not have meaning. See, we needed a Savior. Savior from what? From the curse of sin. A savior from what? From sin. From the curse of sin. From the death of sin. From the bondage of sin. If we behold this truth, then we... Behold his grace. We, I, I was in need of a savior. My own goodness, my own righteousness, and my own attempt at came with God, my own checklist, never would have been good enough. 
Kara talked about legalism last week. It was a wonderful message. If you haven't heard it, I encourage you to go on the website or to our podcast and listen to it. I'll tell you this. One of the defining traits of legalism and religion is focus on self instead of focus on God. In Mark 2.17, we see that Jesus said to them, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. Jesus came to save the sinful person, not the righteous person. That doesn't mean that there's righteous people out there that that weren't in need of salvation. We were all sinners in need of salvation. Jesus came to set the righteous person, and I can use like quotes, the righteous person free from the entanglement of sin. And he, even after we've trusted in, in him, he came to set us free from the entanglements of sin so that we can truly be free. You know what prevents most Christians from having endurance? Endurance. The ability to have longevity, to stay in the race, to not quit. Endurance. You know what prevents most Christians from not having endurance? Agreement with sin. Unrepented sin. Secret sin. Because sin is heavy. Sin is heavy. It weighs us down. It is a weighty, weighty thing. And it's my experience that when, when a Christian struggles with endurance, they're being weighed down by something. Because see, God came so that we might have freedom and abundant life, life to the fullest. The enemy, even once we trusted our lives in Christ, he wants us entangled. He wants us weighed down. Here, here's the beauty of... Here's the beauty of grace. Is that I'm still going to blow it. And even though I was saved, the minute I trusted in Jesus, the Bible says I was justified. I was justified in Christ Jesus. I was saved. And just as I was, filthy and dirty, I didn't have to clean myself up, I was saved. But it also says that I am continually being sanctified. Now, the problem we make, and kind of tying into Kara's message last week, a lot of times we still think sanctification is only about our best efforts, which is religion. It's religion. Thinking that our best efforts sanctify us is not Jesus alone. It is Jesus plus my best efforts. Does that make sense? I mean, does that make sense? It's not Jesus plus my best efforts. Now, in walking with him, there's times I take my eye off him. In walking with him, there's times I look firmly at myself. There's times in walking with him, I make mistakes. There's times in walking with him, I sin. Now, by the blood of the Lamb, I'm redeemed. But that sin is still heavy. So we've been given the gift of repentance that we can change our mind about the action and we can repent of our sins 
and, and then we receive the effects of our forgiveness. See, we've been forgiven. But when we're carrying the heaviness of sin, it, it slows down. It weighs us down. It takes our eyes off of Christ. It drops our head. When we're carrying something weighty, if I've got something big I'm, I'm carrying, I'm, I'm not doing this, right? Because then I'll end up on my, on my backside. I'm doing this. I think as Christians, far too often we hang our heads. We hang our heads when we're carrying the heaviness of sin when we don't have to. All we've got to do is run to the Lord and say, Lord, I know that this is in alignment with what your word says. Lord, this isn't in alignment with what you've told me to do. And this isn't in alignment with the life you've given me. So I repent of it, Lord. And I'm going to change my action. No more. And Lord, I ask you to help me because I know it's not of my own strength. Lord, I'm just going to walk with you. I'm just going to walk with you. That's the safest place I know. I'm just going to walk with you. And that's, that's that work of sanctification in our life. That's, that's it. It's not just our best efforts. Well, I, I think I, it's not our best efforts. Forget just. It's not our best efforts. It's keeping our eyes on the Lord. So we see an illustration of endurance in Hebrews 12. Hebrews 12, 1 through 2 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and let us lay aside every sin which clings so closely. He's talking to Christians here, okay? The, the author of Hebrews is talking to Christians here. Let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, the author, the establisher, and the completer of our faith. Why is that important? That he's both the founder and the perfecter of our faith. It's not on you. It's not on me. I'm not the perfecter of my faith. If I'm the perfecter of my faith, then it's about me. And I'm in such trouble because I am so flawed. If it's about you, if you are the perfecter of your faith, you are in such trouble because sometimes you're a mess. He's the founder of our faith. He's the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy, talking about Jesus, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. The joy set before him. You know what the joy set before him is? The joy set before Jesus? The reason he endured the cross? You know what the joy set before him is? It's two things. This obedience to the Father. Considered it joy. And it's you and I. The joy set before him. He heard what the Father said and he looked and he said, Yes, Father, I see how much you love them. And he endured the cross. Isn't that awesome? The joy set before him. Obedience and love. For far too long, the understanding 
of our salvation has been limited to that singular act of merely securing our place in heaven. We call it fire insurance. Okay, yeah, I, I prayed. I've got fire insurance. I'm good. You know. You guys, we're constantly dealing with sin here on earth. I want to read two verses from John. And one's in John 10. One's in John 13. John 10, 10. Jesus says, The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that you might have life and have it abundantly. You guys, it's got to break the Lord's heart to see a Christian who has life but doesn't have life abundant. We're, we're called to have life abundant. Life and life abundantly. And then read that second one and then I'll just kind of wrap them up. John thirteen seven, Jesus had been teaching and talking and preparing his disciples. And then he says, you know these things, Blessed are you if you do them. If you know these things, if you know what I've told you to do, if you know what my word says, if you know what my heart is, if you know what my instructions are, blessed are you if you do them. You guys, for us to have life and life abundant, I'm telling you, the walking with him, the linked with him, the walking in stride with him, the doing what he says. The trusting that he's got reason for what he says. He's got purpose for the things he tells us to do. He's not just denying us. He's a good God. Walking links arms with him, doing what he says. Jesus says, you're blessed. What's missing in the lives of many Christians is that we do know these principles, but we don't do them. So we don't experience that fullness of blessing. If we don't do these things that we saw Jesus model for us, then we are not experiencing life to the fullest or life abundant. And don't, don't get me wrong. Hear me wrong. You still have life. You just don't have life abundant. I still have life. I just don't have life abundant if I am still willfully walking in agreement with sin. What do I mean? Any sin that I choose, that I know that God has said you shouldn't be doing, don't do that. It brings death. It's heavy. It's weight. It's going to slow you down. It's going to rob you of endurance. Don't do that. Give that to me. And anything where I say, no, Lord, I want my way. Right? Maybe we wouldn't look at it in those terms, but Jesus does. He does look at it in those terms. When we say, I won't do that, we're saying, my will be done, Lord. Not your will be done. My will be done. That's heavy. That's heavy. Disobedience is heavy. The effects of sin are heavy, especially when all we've got to do is say, okay, I see what you say. I hear what you say. I haven't been doing that. And, well, I'm sorry, I repent. I turn from that. I agree with you. 
And now I'm going to change my actions. That's probably the most I've preached on sin in quite a while. But we need to see that the effects of sin are death. They are the unrepented of sin or secret sin. Man, get it out in the light. Bring it out to the light. If there's something we refuse to do when God has told us that he, that he wants us with, that is sin. It is sin. And it's heavy. You guys ready for the good news? <laughs> uh, so the biblical plan of salvation that we see in the New Testament that describes the work of Jesus is the Greek word sozo. And it conveys a whole person work of salvation. Mind, body, soul, life. It means saved, healed, delivered, set free, made whole. That's what that word of salvation, that word sozo means. Saved, healed, delivered, made whole. Lacking nothing. Jesus said he paid the price for us to have abundant life. Which means we can't go back to doing what we want. We can't go back to doing what we want with us in the center of our life. He paid the price for us to be whole. We grab a hold of that. We receive that. We believe that. But then we can't go back to doing what we want. So, I've been doing intermittent fasting for a while. Not, not, I'm not talking about spiritual fasting. When I, when I do a spiritual fast, that's different. I've been doing intermittent fasting and, and I've seen some results. I started weighing myself every day. I was afraid of that scale. I'm like, no more. I conquer you scale. Weight Watchers scale, whatever brand it was. I think it's Weight Watchers. Uh, we, we don't have any sort of deal with Weight Watchers. Can we take that out of the podcast? If we're not getting paid, I don't just... just <laughs> Step on the scale, it said 267. I didn't like how I said 267. So I started doing the intermittent fasting. I got all the way down to 252. Then I went to California. <laughs> Tommy's in and out, in and out again. Um, so this morning, stepped on to those 255. But that's okay. So we'll call it, we'll call it the 25 because that's what it said this morning. So... I'm feeling better. I'm, I, I feel like I'm looking better. I feel like I have energy. And most days I'm not hungry. So whatever, like if, I, if I'm done eating at six o'clock tonight, then I won't or drink anything other than black coffee or water until, so six to six is 12 and then four. So like, or six, yeah. So like 12, like noon would be 16 hours. Is that right? Anyways, I've been waiting about 18 hours. Okay, I've been doing like 18 hours. So, and then I'll break my fast and and, and it's been good. But, and, and I like the results. I like the, I like how it makes me feel. But yesterday, uh, Kara's gone, took Cadence to a game down at Dove Valley and I hadn't eaten for 20 hours. And I was like, yes, 20 hours, that's awesome. But I'm hungry now. So I ordered like the large sandwich. 
but I only ate half a sandwich. I only ate half a sandwich, right? But then we drove past a Dairy Queen. And I enjoyed the Snickers blizzard. I still have free choice in this. Even though I love the freedom I'm walking in, I love the effects of, of what I'm walking in, I love the results, I still have to make wise decisions. I, I, I still have to make decisions for me to have the results of, of what my, my goal is. You guys, even though we have been saved, we still have to make wise decisions. We still have to be obedient to Christ. When he says, turn left, we still got to turn left. When he says, stop, we still got to stop. See, we live our lives with the green light. We live our lives with the green light. And we're in kinetic energy. We're in motion. We're, we're moving with the Lord. But when he says, stop, we got to stop. When he says, go back, we got to go back. That's not bondage. That's freedom. And I'll tell you why it's freedom. Because every time he says go left, when we wanted to go right, it's freedom going left because left is always going to be better than right if that's what Jesus said. Going back, there's always going to be purpose in it. When I flew out to California for, for the men's retreat, um, it was, it was, I've never had, a, had to get on a plane and then like get off the plane before. But we got on the plane at 9 o'clock for like an 40 flight in the morning. And they said, hey, the air conditioning is not working. Don't worry. Once we start going down the runway, it's going to come on. We start going down, you know, taxiing out there. Air conditioning not coming on. So they go over there like, hey, we're just going to kind of work on this for a little bit. Still no air conditioning. Then finally they're like, hey, there's a lot of traffic here. We're going to turn around and head back to the terminal. But we have to wait until all these things get out of the way. We had to wait. And the guy never said this, but in my mind, I'm thinking, if the air conditioning is not working, what else isn't working? <laughs> I want to get on a plane that is fully functional. So we went back to the airport, and we got off the plane, and we went to a different terminal. We started out in terminals, I think it was C, and we went back to terminal B, because United, I guess, is every terminal. Then we had to wait, and then they gave us snacks, and then we had to wait some more, and then they gave us a voucher for lunch, and so I had a crummy lunch at the airport. That's where it started. Dang it. <laughs> Crummy lunch at the airport. Um, and then finally we got on back on the plane and we were in the air around like 2.30, 2.40 or whatever. But during that time, I asked the Lord and I, I thanked the Lord. I said, thank you, Lord. I don't want to be on a plane that isn't fully working. I don't want to be on that plane. So thank you, Lord. I said, don't let me miss an opportunity. If there's an opportunity here, don't let me miss it, Lord. Is, is there something that I, that you need me to see or a connection I need to make? Is there, don't let me miss an opportunity if there's something that you want me to do in this moment. Um, and I heard a woman talking. I wasn't eavesdropping. She was sitting right next to me, to a guy, and I heard a couple key words. So when the guy got up and left, I said, hey, I heard you talking about that you grew up in Southern California and you're meeting your sisters there. That's awesome. You know, where are you from? And and uh, this woman's name is Barbara, and she starts telling me and she's like yeah you know one of my sisters has cancer and so last time we all got together um, it, has, it has difficulties you know sisters you know sometimes it's tough being a sister sometimes siblings is tough and it didn't end well so I'm a little nervous and I said what's your sister's name I took out my phone and I said I'm going to make a note she's like Belinda and I said okay I'm going to be praying for Belinda but I'm also going to be praying for you and your sisters that there be healing and restoration 
God would just mend hurts. And she's like, I'm a Christian too. I go, that's awesome. And she lives in Aurora and goes to Calvary down there. And and uh, I, I had her on my prayer list and I prayed for her while I was gone. I prayed for her sister. She sends me an email. Said we had the most wonderful time together. We laughed, we cried. There were, there were old hurts that were... I mean, it was it was practically a point for point. The things I said I was going to be praying are the things that she was giving God glory for. Now, that really doesn't have to do with, you know, sin and grace. But it does have to do with a heart that's yielded to the Lord. My heart is yielded to the Lord. He doesn't always get his way, but I strive for him to always get his way in my life. He doesn't always get his way because I'm flawed. Sometimes emotions or moods or feelings or doubt or whatever, you know, and I sin. And I doubt. And I allow motion to rise up and overcome what, what the Lord wants. We all do it. But a heart that's willing and yielded when we walk with Him and whatever He says to do, we do it. You guys, that's the result of grace. We realize that. That's the effect of grace. He took our hard heart. He took our selfish heart our self-centered heart. And when we believed in him and we gave him our lives, not just our heart, he never asked for just our heart. He asked for our lives. And when we gave him our lives and started walking with him, he does this remarkable work on our hearts just by walking with him. Just by walking with him. And and he's polishing and he's cleaning stuff off and he's molding our hearts just by being with him and turning left when he says left or, you know, you know, come on, come with me. And all of a sudden this work happens to our hearts and the effects of grace is a heart that's yielded to him. And it's not by our works. Okay. It's just by walking with him. Now it is by our obedience, our response to him. How did Jesus demonstrate salvation? Jesus demonstrated salvation by his death, yes. But Jesus demonstrated salvation by everything. By his life. By his obedience. By his death. By his resurrection. By his life after resurrection. Everything he did demonstrated salvation. You guys, we, our lives can can echo and mirror that example, that model of salvation that we see in Jesus Christ. Death. Sin is death. Now for, for Jesus, you know, it was a literal death, but I'm telling, talking about you and I now. Sin is a form of death. So what do we do when we sin? Do we, do we hold our head down and have this heavy thing? No, we shouldn't be carrying this around. We let it go. We push it aside. I love that passage in Hebrews 12, by the way. It says, pushing it aside, pushing it aside, and then move forward. We say, Jesus, I, I blew it. 
I know you said do this and that's not what I did. And, and you know what I did, but I'm coming to you. I don't want any secrets between you and I. I'm coming to you with it. This is what I did. And I'm pushing it aside and I'm focusing on you. And we just walk with him. It's that simple. We don't allow death to keep us in the grave. We emerge victorious in Christ Jesus, leaving death behind. Mark eight thirty four and 35. And calling the crowd to him with his disciples, Jesus said to them, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself. He's asking us to deny ourselves and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. You can't, you can't save your own life. I can't save my own life. This, this message is good news. We got to share it. You guys, I, I, I'm telling you, my heart is so full of love and gratitude for what we have as a church community. I am so thankful. I'm so grateful for what we have. But I tell you what, I'm not, I'm not content with it just being, you know, a room full of people. I'm not, I'm not content with that. I want, I, I want more. I want more people to hear the message of Jesus. I want more people to hear this message I'm preaching right now and the message that will be preached next week. And I want more people to see the, the, the strength and the, the love and, and the blessing that comes with being willing to, to call people. You realize that calling people to come up is totally anti-church 101. They're, they write books about it. Don't ever make people feel uncomfortable. That is not the way to grow your church. I feel like all I've done today is make people feel uncomfortable. You guys, this message of the good of Jesus, we need to be telling people about it. And, and just to be totally candid with you, we need to be inviting people to church. This is a form of discipleship. Now, if you've got unlimited time and you've got unlimited availability and all 24 hours of your 24 hours can be dedicated to discipling people, then God bless you. Don't invite people to church. Otherwise, if you don't have all 24 hours of your 24 hours and you need dedicated to discipleship, this is a pretty good opportunity to bring people in. And this is a part of the discipleship. Then maybe they come on a Friday night and that's more of the discipleship. And then maybe they show up to a Bible study and that's another form of discipleship. And next thing you know, you know, you're having coffee and you're, and there's all this tag team effort of discipleship and we're growing in the Lord. And that's what we're called to do, to make disciples. We are called to make disciples. So I'm not trying to put the onus of me disciples on you, but, but can we start with just inviting folks to church? Telling them about the good news of Jesus? I've got one story that I want to wrap it up with that just demonstrates the grace of God. So there was a man named Hosea in the Bible. And God asked him to marry 
someone who was known as the lowest of the lows and looked down upon society and fee. God asked Hosea to marry a prostitute. And so Hosea did. They had kids together. And then she returned to her sin. She left her husband and three kids and returned to sin, returned to prostitution. She abandoned her family. And then God tells Hosea this. The Lord said to me, go and love your wife again, even though she commits adultery with another lover. This will illustrate that the Lord still loves Israel. This will illustrate that the Lord still loves his church, even though the people have turned to other gods and love to worship them. So I bought her back for 15 pieces of silver and five bushels of barley and a measure of wine. At that time, the going rate for a slave was 30 pieces of silver. And he didn't have that. He had 15 pieces of silver. He had five bushels of barley and he had a measure of wine. You know what that tells me? Uh, I've got this cleaning cloth and I've got uh, this uh, chapstick and I've got uh, 15 bucks on me and hold on, let me check the seat cushions. Everything he had, he said, this is what I have. I'm going to buy back my bride. Everything he had. Even though, even though that's the message of grace. Even though we sin, the Father said, I will give my all. The Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit looked and said, what is our all? And the Father said, Son, you've got to go. You've got to go give your life for these people. You've got to live your life in obedience to me and you've got to offer yourself as a sacrifice for them. Son, you're my only son. You're, you're my all. And, and I've got to give my all. And that was their plan. That was God's plan of salvation for you and I. Even though, young people, even though, even though you blow, even though you sin, even though you're disobedient, it is never bigger than the love of God because He gave His all for you. His all for you. Holding nothing back. What do I have? It's good news, right? It's good news, right? We are called to share the good news. You guys, I'm telling you, when we remind ourselves in preparation for this message, I reminded myself of the good news. Hearing this right now, we're reminding ourselves of the good news. When we go and share it, we're reminding ourselves of the good news. But I'm telling you right now, as believers, let's not be weighed down by the heaviness of sin. Let's agree with the Lord, walk with Him, link arms with Him, and experience the fullness of life abundant.